Welcome to season four of Business Book Talk. I'm your host, Bob Garlick. This year, we have even more great books to help you excel in business and life. You can search for book topics and themes at businessbooktalk.com or subscribe using your smartphone for great content on the go. Hey, everybody, it's Bob here, and I've got Ben Carpenter on the line, the bigs. Yep, the bigs. I mean, when I first looked at this, I said, what the heck is that all about? And basically, it's, it's, it's the secrets of life, really. It's how to be focused, what to look for, what to do. It's an amazing book as far as content and uh, things that you really need to think about that are there on a day-to-day level, and you, they just fall through the cracks, fall through the cracks. Anyways, Ben, great to have you on the show. Thank you, Bob. I want to just jump right in there and ask, why did you think this book was important for business people, or and, and uh, you know, not even business people, for anybody? Well, really, you know, the, the and I do talk about it right in the preface of the book. The reason I wrote it is that my daughter, my eldest daughter, Avery, got her first job out of college, and uh, she was asked to start four days uh, in the in the future, and she decided to request to start a week after that because she wanted to go apartment hunting and I realized at that moment that she didn't understand what the real world was going to demand of her so I didn't start the book thinking that I had something that people that the world needed to know I started the book simply trying to tell my daughter what she needed to know and then I just never stopped writing you know what's interesting is it almost answers the question as to how do you get your kids to listen to you and so you got to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> that, that may be the case. Yeah, well, maybe writing a book under a pseudonym too because it's like, hey, honey, you should read this book. I didn't write it, but it sounds really good, that stuff they got inside. <laughs> I think that's exactly right. And, and frankly, I would feel very uh, uh, incapable of writing a parenting book. I don't believe I'm, I'm, I'm some paragon of information on how to be a parent, uh, and part of that is because I think it is easier to easier to talk to other children, uh, other people's children than mm-hmm. your own. Well, absolutely, because there's no history and, and uh, there's no hot buttons. Um, really, what you've written is a reality book. Welcome to reality. It's uh, welcome to the big leagues, but basically that's what you're saying. It's like, look, at time to get it together. And your initial... Uh, motivation was to to help your daughter. What was the aha moment for you where, you know, you've got a lot of very uh, real things that are going on in the book, but for you, I find with a lot of writers, when they've they've written something, it crystallizes for you. So out of all this amazing amount of stuff, what was your aha moment? I think my aha moment was when I was explaining what I think the most underappreciated fact of business success is, Mm. and that is that most people think that you need to impress your boss and have your boss think that that you're great and people don't understand that how your boss feels about you is the way everybody else at the company feels about you mm-hmm. and that's true from the security guard right up to the the CEO of the company your boss will feel about you the way other people at the company feel about you. And so one of the main pieces of advice that I wanted my daughter to understand and ultimately 
when I decide to write a book, readers to understand is that everybody at the company is important to you and your relationship with everybody at the company is important. And some people understand this sort of intuitively, uh, but I think to understand it overtly as a goal is important because even if you're naturally reasonably good at this, you'll still slip up and make mistakes if you don't really understand the importance of it. Mm. It's it's so true. It's well. That's you know. I, I worked for a long, long time before I ended up working with a company that had three hundred and sixty degree reviews. And I said, "Well, what's that?" And he says, "That's when everybody in the company gets to tell you where you're screwing up and where you're doing great." And I said, "Well, what do you mean, everybody around the department?" He said, no, everybody. The secretary, all the way up to the president. And when they right. said that, it shocked me. And that's why I had a realization. It's like, wow, it's not just me managing this department; it's me living in this company. Exactly. Hmm. You've got some amazing chapters at the beginning, uh, being an entrepreneur, being a leader, staying out of trouble, uh, living a happy life. Um, a lot of those, yeah, staying out of trouble, living a happy life, those don't sound like businessy type of things. Yeah, I think what I, it's, and they, they, they were written towards the end of the process. Hmm. And, you know, I really, after I had gone through sort of the, the nuts and bolts of, what to do to choose, get, and do a great job, as well as telling the stories and lessons from my life. You know, those the chapters, particularly about living a happy life, really, I think, tied it all together, because over and over again, you sort of come back to the question of why. Why am I doing this? Why is it important? And uh, for me, you know, it's to, it's to live a happy life, and I thought it was important to sort of be explicit about, you know, what, what I've learned so far on that topic. Mm. Now, when you're, when you're working or we're working in your businesses and, and stuff like that, for you, what was driving you forward? Was it yourself? Was it the bottom line? What was your motivator? Well, for, for me, it was really fear. And, I, you know, I talk in the beginning of the book that uh, as a child, I moved around a lot, sort of every two years. My father, who was a, uh, a very bright man, uh, simply wasn't able to hold down a job for any length of time, and that's because he just wasn't able to communicate well with people. But this was sort of created financial hardships and certainly insecurities uh, within my family as we were, you know, moving around the country. And I think it was really the desire to. To, to find financial security and to maybe more importantly to find a, a stable place in the world that I didn't experience as a child that was really my motivating factor. But I think the the important thing uh, in that discussion really isn't what happened to me and what was my motivation. It's really to understand that if you that that, it, that you have to set the goal for yourself to do an outstanding job and to do that you got to find the uh, the initiative and the determination somewhere within yourself, and it really doesn't matter where that comes from. It can come from sort of insecurity and fear, in my case, or it could come from from ego, or it could come from from whatever. It doesn't matter where you get that, but you really need to find some fuel for your desire to do a great job because the world's too competitive, and, and you really need a, a fire inside you to succeed. 
You know, it's 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 very true. It, you know, every time I'm managing people or or I'm brought in to help a situation, my biggest fear is that um, I won't be able to move the thing forward. It's like I, you know, you, you ha- everybody has a vision about what their life is or what their job description is and a lot of time they'll come into a company with that vision because they've gone through a bunch of interviews and okay great I'm going to be hired to do X and they come into the company they sit them down in the chair and the first thing they do they learn is they're never going to get around to actually getting to do what they're hired because they're putting out fires all day long and dealing with situations that have nothing to do with their job do you think that's a truism in every job? Well, I think I think I think the part of that is is a very positive lesson, which is you got to stay flexible all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have plans and goals, but you know the real world is so dynamic that they're going to change, and that doesn't matter whether you're a uh, whether you're uh, a rookie just getting to the office for the first day or the CEO of the company. You got to constantly be ready to change and adapt. And sometimes as an employee, that'll mean changing and adapting into new jobs or, or new companies. Um, but I do think that, that that's a fact of life is sort of the best laid plans. I think it, again, it's helpful to have goals and plans, but you got to understand that, that they're going to change. And, and, and I talk about that a lot in the book, which is that, it's important to do a lot of that experimenting and finding the right path for yourself as early as you can in your career because once you have a spouse and children and dependents, it's a lot harder to take the risks to find uh, to find the best job to realize your hopes and dreams. Mm, that's so true. Um, what's the best way to approach this book? Is it a book that you should read cover to cover or kind of read the beginning just to get a sense and then from there jump to the places that you think you need help the most? You know, it's, it's, it's a good question because, because I went back and forth in the book and, and as you know, it's really the second half of the book is the how-to, which mm-hmm. is how to choose, get, and do a great job. And that's the second half of the, of the book. The first half of the book is really the stories and lessons from my life, which I think is important to give a, to give a context to the advice that follows. But I guess what I would say is start at the beginning and, and read all the way through and then go back to specific parts that you think uh, might be of particular interest to you. Hmm. Now, obviously, when you were living your life and learning all this amazing stuff that you put in the book, you didn't do all these things in the particular order that you did. You, you had a lot of trial and error. Do you think that uh, failure is one of the biggest problems that people have moving forward and growing? You know, I guess my, my feeling about it is that, that no matter what, you'll have to learn by trial and error, which mm-hmm. goes back to our earlier conversation about you know, being flexible. But um, I do believe that the world today is so competitive, much more competitive than when I started my career 30-plus years ago. And I think that, that it's important to have a, a base and a head start in terms of thinking about a lot of these issues that uh, that can trip you up or the things that can help make you successful. Well, let's talk about your favorite anecdote or story within the book. Do, do you have a, a, a favorite uh, section? You know, my I, probably my favorite section is the uh, is my first entrepreneurial venture, which was the tumble in. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, this was a bar that I started. You know, I graduated from college in 1980 and went and moved to New York City to work as a banker at a at a at a firm called the Bankers Trust Company. And you know, one day when I was playing on a softball team and at the bar after the game, you know, I had the idea that I could that I could do that I could have a bar that would be a compelling experience for young professionals and I went around looking for one and I found one. And you know, the this the story in the in the book is is one of, you know, taking the initiative to do it and also uh encountering some very major obstacles to towards success. And uh and I think the 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 lesson that you can learn from understanding that story is you know, if you have an idea, have the confidence uh, and the willingness to take it forward and take it to fruition. In my case, it was starting a bar, but also understand that in any sort of commercial uh, experience, you're going to find you're going to encounter uh, challenges that you didn't expect. And I certainly did that at the bar. And the resolution of those challenges that we that we faced in the bar, I think, makes for a compelling story. That's certainly something in my own life I'll never forget. <laughs> well, you, do, you you mention obstacles, and I think that's a <clears throat> excuse me that that's an important part of running a business is understanding that just because you have a great idea doesn't mean it's going to be all uh, roses and everything's going to fall into place perfectly. You're going to run into obstacle after obstacle. And even when you're successful, you're going to run into obstacles. And I find that people that look at it as a creative challenge seem to do very well with dealing with obstacles. Do you, uh, do you have a, a similar philosophy? Yeah. And, and, and frankly, that's one of the lessons that I, that I draw out in the book about that story uh, of my bar called the tumble in, which is that it's important as you go into uh, any venture, but particularly commercial ventures, because they're so competitive that you understand going in that you're going to meet with some great challenges. And almost every business person, as they're starting a new venture, at some point, reasonably early or maybe even later in the venture, will say to themselves, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> or maybe even more pointedly, I wish I had never done this. But <laughs> you have to just fight through that. And, you know, sometimes you'll be right and you'll wish you had never never embarked on that venture and that, that'll be lessons in and of themselves. Or maybe the sun will come out and you'll be a huge success. But know going in that you'll get some very serious, you'll face some very serious challenges. And that's just the nature of uh, life in the big leagues. Mm. Now, I want to talk about a little bit about the vernacular of the book because, you know, you don't hold back. You, you've, uh, you know, get some goddamn sleep and with exclamation marks, all caps. I mean, a lot of these things are... They're, I don't want to use the word forceful, but you really are impassioned about getting this information across because it is earth-shatteringly important. Yeah, I mean... I guess what I would say, I, I think I'm a reasonably emotional person, but I think even for, I think for everybody, you know, life is, is an emotional journey. Mm. And that's really what the book is. And I think that that may set the book apart from a lot of sort of business how-to books, which is, you know, it's not just about, you know, 
how to get from A to B to C. It's really about, you know, life's journeys and just how passionate, um, how disappointing, how challenging, and how thrilling the whole journey can be and really is for most people. And, you know, I think that particularly young kids in, in college uh, coming out don't understand just how vibrant the working world is and how thrilling it can be and how disappointing it can also be. But, you know, they, they, they think that, okay, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to go do a job. And, you know, the, the, the real world is a very, very exciting place. And if you join the real world and it's not an exciting place for you, you probably are in the wrong job. Well, you know, for me, the thing that I think is the tragic, it's that that they're miserable doing what they do every day. I mean, you spend so much of your life in a job doing something that if you're not happy, it's definitely not a risk. It's an imperative to get out and find something better. Yeah, I I, I really do truly believe that that's, that's, that's one of the most important lessons that you can get from the book. And, you know, that's and, and that could be that you're in the wrong job, or it could be you're in the wrong company. It could be either. You could be in the right job in the wrong company, or at the right company in the wrong job. you got to find, you know, the place that allows you to utilize your talents and be, you know, recognized. And, and if you care about rewards, be rewarded for it. And I think that that is very important. And, you know, as I mentioned before, I think it's very important to do that early on because it is incredibly difficult if you're, you know, 40 years old and, and have a spouse and have children at home to uh, and you're paying the bills with a job that you don't particularly enjoy uh, to take the risk of leaving that job to to pursue your your dream of a different job, that's a tough decision, and that's not something that I would lightly tell anybody to do. I think you, you you'd like to do it, but you got to figure out the right way. And it's that those are those are very serious issues when you have dependents. But when you're young and you're just starting out, you really need to be, you know, in a sense, very ruthless in terms of doing everything in your power to find the right company and the right job for you to realize your hopes and dreams. Mm. So, you know, you've got a whole section in the back here about interviews, the the what to say, what not to say, and for the the up and coming professional and for somebody that's getting into the the job market relative, you know, maybe that's their first or second job, how important are the interviews? Well, I I think the the most important thing uh, to me, and that people don't realize, is the importance of informational interviews. And and that is different than a job interview. An informational interview, you're simply asking somebody in the industry uh, that you're interested in working in to talk to you about their job or and or about their company. Mm. And informational interviews can certainly turn into job interviews, and I talk about you know how to you know, maximize your, your likelihood of doing that because ultimately the ultimate goal is to get a job. But to get a job, you first need to have informational interviews where you simply ask to talk to professionals in that industry. And what that allows you to do is to understand if the, if the job or company is right for you. It allows you to have practice selling yourself in a professional context. And finally, it allows you to have enough 
lines in the water to be able to hook that great job. And most young people, when they come and talk to me, either in college or recent college graduates, I ask how many informational interviews have they had, and they normally tell me 5 to 15. And I tell them they need to be thinking more in terms of having 40 to 50 informational interviews. And that number really shocks people. But when you think about the importance of getting the right job at the right company, it's worth that investment of of time. And... uh you know, it, it makes a lot more sense because it it's it goes back to a lot of the sales books that uh, I've read. It's about the numbers. And once you've got your plan and you're executing your plan, the more you do, the higher chance you have of making a sale. So the, the, obviously the higher chance you have of finding that perfect company or the person that you would love to be able to mentor. That's exactly right. Um, how does somebody find out about themselves? You know, there, there's a lot of times where it's not the job, it's the person. And uh, self-discovery and self-awareness is very, very, uh, well, it's not taught, but it's very, very important in today's world, especially in, in uh, such a social world. So h- how do you uh, get a bearing on how other people perceive you? Well, I do think that that's, that's, that's really part of the informational interview process. Mm. You know, a part of it is, you know, understanding how to sell yourself, but part of it is understanding what it is you want to sell. You know, what what is the job and company you want to sell yourself into? And I think that, uh, you know, again, that's part of the informational interview process. I mean, if, if you if you're a writer and you think that, you know, and very creative, and you think maybe advertising or maybe public relations would be a good career for you so, but you also think, hey, you know what, I think uh, the fast pace of Wall Street and the potential, if I'm very good, to, to make uh, a significant amount of money on Wall Street, that's exciting to me, too. Well, you know what, you got to get informational interviews in both uh, fields and talk to people about them so you get a sense yourself about whether what you think might be the case uh, or the what the jobs are like, whether that's really what they are and whether that fits what you want to do. And really, I think the the best way to do that is to, to have many informational interviews. And again, I talk in the book how you can do that. You can, uh, you know, you, this family and friends for sure, your college career service services can set you up with alumni, coaches, teachers that you have a good relationship with at your school can help you. And so there's really employed students, people that you either went to school with or and, and are working now, or maybe even college seniors who are already gotten jobs in the field you're interested in. There's really many, many ways to get informational interviews, and I think you need to tap your whole network to get that, uh, to, to get a feel for what's right for you. Mm. What do you think about volunteer work, you know, going out there and working for different organizations as a volunteer just to experience? And I'm talking about people that actually haven't graduated, um, haven't really had a real job, and they're quite young, and uh, going out there and, and just doing volunteer work. Well, I think, I, I guess what I would, the, the question I'd ask of somebody is, why do you want to do the volunteer work? Mm-hmm. Is it because you have a real strong interest in that organization and what they stand for and are trying to accomplish, which is fine, uh, or is it really that you're trying to get a uh, something on your resume, or are you really trying to develop some skill 
that's going to be valuable, and it could be all three. Mm. Um, but I would I would figure that out. You know, I think that uh, working as a unpaid intern, which is you know another another term for being a volunteer, mm-hmm. I think can be a, a very good thing if you one if you can afford it, and number two if you're getting in a position that you can really learn something. So again, I, I think it has to do with what what are your goals. You know, it, it, and we're we're coming back again and again goals. Uh, if people don't have goals, if they don't have a vision, if they don't have a five-year plan and then backtrack it to what they're doing today and this week and this month, they're never going to get anywhere. Uh, do you cover that a lot in the book? You know, I I, I guess the way I look at it mm-hmm. is I, I feel like you always need to be growing. You need to be continuing to work towards a job that suits you. And I think that as young people start out, I think that it's good to have a plan, but I think it's even more important to continue to be flexible with that plan. I guess what I would say is more important than having a plan is having an ambition. And I think in the broadest sense, that ambition should be uh, not necessarily to become the CEO of a company, Uh, because that'll be the result of what you do. The plan should be, or the goal, or the ambition should be to get a job that you are good at and that you enjoy and you're able to make a difference for the company that you work at. at. And I think that that should be the the goal that you have. And the plan to get there needs to be flexible. Do you think also by uh, doing, you know, 30 or 40 informational interviews, your goal and your plan will change as well because you'll have a much uh, broader understanding of the way that industry works? I think it certainly it certainly might. It, it, it might not. You might mm. start off by thinking, gee, I really want to be in advertising, and you could, you know, do, you know, 30, 40, 50 informational interviews and go, yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. But even within that, I think you might say, you know what, I thought I – wanted to work in advertising at a larger firm and I want to be in a smaller firm or vice versa. And I think that, that there's all sorts of, uh, of uh, layers to this decision process that probably uh, for most people will change during the process of informational interviews. But again, the, the, the goal or the, the, the reason to do all of them isn't, isn't looking for change, but it, it's likely that it'll come out of the process. Hmm. Uh, I find a lot of times, you know, when, when I go into organizations and they're building a department, and usually it has nothing to do with me, they just start throwing people at it. <laughs> um, I come and say, so why were you hired? And, and a lot of them have, oh, I was hired for these reasons. And then when I go to HR, they say, well, we didn't hire them for those reasons. We hired them for their attitude. Do you think that um, a, a, for a young person, attitude outranks experience? Well, I think for, for young people, they, you know, in general, they won't have a lot of experience. And, and coming out of college, you know, aside from potentially internships, which is, you know, honestly pretty shallow mm. experience, what they have is potential and what they're selling is potential. And I think that it's uh, an interesting dynamic that selling yourself and your potential is even more important for young people than it is for experienced. Experienced professionals have have uh, uh, have track records that they can cite and that they can sell, and they have references, etc. Uh, 
But it's interesting that it's most important for young people to be able to sell themselves on their potential. And you can say, and, and why they can make a difference for a company. And that's difficult for a young person to do because they haven't been in the business. They haven't, you know, worked for many years. So it's difficult for them to sell themselves as a potential difference maker for the company. But again, that's why you need to do all the informational interviews so you get that confidence, that understanding about the business and the confidence to sell yourself as somebody that can help the company succeed. Mm. Well, I think one of the most powerful things also about an informational interview, because I've used that tactic many times in my career, is you're going in and you're talking to professionals, and when you start talking to them, you have this awe. It's like, wow, this guy's like the top designer here, or he's the top there. Uh, And you're chatting with him, you're asking the same questions, and you go and you start asking more and more and more people. By the time you've interviewed 15, 20, 30 people, your questions there a lot of times is like, oh, I didn't know that, and wow. And you're actually perceived as somebody that knows more about what's going on in the industry than they do because they're stuck in their job just trying to meet their deadlines. They don't have the luxury of learning what's going out, uh, what's going on in the, the other parts of the industry. Well, that's absolutely right. And that's why, you know, what I try to get across to kids is that, that interviewing for a job is really an exciting thing. I mean, if you're, you should enjoy the interview process, not necessarily your first or second one where you're so scared, <laughs> but as you go along and you get a little bit more comfortable with what the industry is, you know, talking to people about their job and learning more about it should be very interesting for you. And, you know, it is true that the nature of, of, of jobs uh, in our economy is particularly you get your first job, you're going to be given a series of tasks to do. And that can be pretty narrow. And that's okay. You'll be learning a specific skill and, 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 and all that. But the learning that you'll do or that you did previously during your informational interviews, talking to people from many different companies, doing many different functions in the industry that you care about, you get a much greater uh, Sense and uh, of the of the breadth and depth of uh, of the industry and what the what the various companies in the industry do, and it can be very thrilling. And I think that uh, if people can go into their job search with that sense of anticipation uh, and the aspect that they are going to learn so much from it. And as you said, at the end of the day, they may get to the point where they're telling their interviewers uh, things that they didn't know about the industry. And I think that if you get to that point, you're very close to getting your dream job. Oh, absolutely. Well, you're definitely uh, close to impressing the heck out of the person that you're chatting with because they're saying, gosh, <clears throat> I don't know. we don't need to hire an agent, but I, I don't know if I want to let this person go. Exactly. Um, how does... Uh, how does somebody get over when they first start their job that you know that they're they're lucky to get their job that they're starting out? How do they work on the patience? Because a lot of perceptions of, of students and, and young people when they get, they start their job they think oh yeah I'll work for a week and then I'll get uh, I'll get more responsibilities blah blah blah. They don't realize that they're going to be doing pretty mundane things for a very long time. 
not because uh, they don't have that skill set. A lot of times because the organization they're working with isn't that organized and they've hired somebody and they're just going to try and figure out what that person is supposed to be doing, especially in a junior position. Yeah, I think those those that that question I, I you know sort of the, the old phrase the devil's in the details so <laughs> the the you know he put put to me one way I'd say you know what I think not having much patience is a good thing mm-hmm. you know, I think that you need to keep pushing yourself and pushing the company to do more and more but that's not you know the the way you push the company to let you do more is that you come up with good ideas mm-hmm. you know not. You know, you, you walk into your boss's office every other week and go, hey, I'm bored. Uh, I need something more exciting to do. Or I'm really talented. You know, give me give me something that, that I can really make a big impact around here. Mm-hmm. You know what? The way you do that is you come up with the idea yourself. And then you go to your boss and say, hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Or I think I can help if I do that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that, that you need to be, you know, very impatient in that sense about, you know, finding, getting yourself in a, in a job that you're not bored with, and that's not particularly repetitious, uh, and, and but it's your job to do that. It's not your boss's job. Mm. I, I think another thing, too, that a lot of people don't understand is an idea has no value unless there's somebody to actually execute it. And as a person that's bringing an idea to the table, their responsibility is to execute it, whether that's to manage a team underneath the idea or to actually take that idea and work extra hours to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, there's an old expression that the world belongs to salesmen. And uh, I, I, I sort of believe in that expression, I guess, partly because I was a salesman for most <laughs> of my career. But, you know, it doesn't matter what quality idea you have. If you can't get people to pay attention to it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just the it's just the tree falling in the forest, not making any sound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that's I, I think that that also is something that that young people coming out of school don't understand because at school it's a totally different experience than the working world. At school, you choose a you choose a course, uh, you attend classes, you write a paper, and you take a test. And it's a very solitary experience, and you're sort of on railroad tracks that that tell you how to do it. And the real world is, you know, all about personal relationships and creativity, which is very different than than what it takes to succeed in school. And I think that that's also something that that hopefully uh, readers will get out of uh, my book. Hmm. For people that are um getting into your book or, or want to know more about the book, is there a website that you've developed for it? Yes, there is, and it's uh, com. So website is part of the title, com. And on there are videos of me explaining key points as well as excerpts of the book as well as uh, interviews of, uh, of myself with uh, media um, I wanted to ask you for for our listeners and and maybe the the uh, the younger crowd that's listening to the uh, the book, the you know the college students and and maybe even the the juniors. Um, what is one thing that they could start today that will help them out in the future? I think it is coming to grips with the fact that the real world is something that they are going to be joining, whether they like it or not, reasonably quickly. You know, when you're when you're 
18 years old and about to go to college, it seems like college is going to go on forever. But, you know, it's a blink of an eye, four years, and, and you're out in the real world. And so you've got to get started early. And, you know, the, the one of the scary statistics uh, that that's out there is that only 17% of college students graduating have jobs. Hmm. And even three and four years later, after graduation, almost 50% of recent college grads are either un- unemployed or underemployed. And so you really need, and, and the, the greatest regret that I hear as I talk to these students is I wish I had started thinking about my career earlier. Mm. You know, if you wait until senior year of college or postgraduate to start thinking about getting a job, you know, you've really, you've really put yourself behind the eight ball because there's so many resources at school. You know, you've, you may not have had the right major for what you decide you want to do. You might not have belonged to the right clubs. You might not have, uh, you know, interacted with your career service office in the most beneficial way to you. You didn't talk to other students who either had jobs or were looking at jobs in your industry. And there's just an enormous amount of contacts that you could make while you're a student. And almost all students that graduate without jobs, 87%, say they wish they had started earlier. You know, it's, it's, it's tragically true. And I think a lot of it is because students, when they, they go into college, you ask, oh, why did, what are you going to study in college? What do you want to do after college? They say, I don't know. They, they really they have no idea of why they're actually in college. And I, I think that's why a lot of students actually lose track and they get into partying and they socialize like crazy, but they don't understand why. Yeah, and, and again, I, 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 you know, as I confess in the book, I didn't start thinking about my career until I was a senior in college, <laughs> the spring of my senior year. Uh, but that was then, you know, 30-plus years ago, you could do that and still right the ship reasonably quickly, it wasn't nearly as competitive for the great jobs that it is today. And today, if you're not on your game earlier than that, uh, you're probably going to have a very tough go in your first couple years. And your first couple years often set the tone for the rest of your career. Not always, but they often do. And it's really helpful in this race to get off to a fast start. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show, Ben. The bigs, the secret nobody tells students and young professionals about, and then there's a long list. Uh, Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, and and really appreciate uh, spending some time with us explaining a bit about your book. Bob, thank you. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe, leave comments, or make a request on our website, businessbooktalk.com. See you next week.